What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review the show wherever you're listening to us. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow all of us as well at The Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, Tyler is back, so we'll let you all know what we're buying and selling so far after the first month of the NBA season. We'll also recap the NFL Conference Championship games, and since the Super Bowl is two weeks away, we'll talk about what's next for the Bills and Packers as they start their offseason. All this and more on episode 179 of the TSK Show, coming up right now. What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 179 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me, as always, Shelton's very own, my co-host, Tyler Pacholke. What's up, Tyler? How you doing, man? We missed you We missed you last week. I'm doing good, man. Up at the Pacific Northwest, you yes. know, taking it in. Had to get out of the apartment for a little bit. Yes, breathing some fresh air, and, I bet. Uh, it's a, it's, man, the air is good up here. No smog, no nothing. No, not, no nothing. Stars at night, all good. Yes. No, we don't get those out here. <laughs> no, way too many city no. lights down uh, here. No, man, it's crazy. I mean, it, it's it's a trip going back to L.A. and, like, looking up at the sky at night. Like, man, I mean, it looks like one of those phantom roofs out here, you know? <laughs> yes, I lo- that's what, that's the one thing I think I, like, love most about a Rolls-Royce is the, the ceiling in it with the, with the little lights looking like the stars. Makes you feel like a big boss the in there. Star, the starlight's dope. Yes. Now, sitting across from me on the board, our co-host producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Jacob, how are you, man? I, I can't really see you. There's a computer screen across Yeah, from right now me. I'm actually looking at the computer screen, but I'm doing all right, though. <laughs> yeah, we have to change studios, but I yes. think it's a little bit cramped in here, but that's fine. We, we, we still got to make it work. Yes, we, we had some technical issues in the studio that we normally record in, so we just moved across the hall, and it's it's a little bit smaller of a studio, and I can't really see Jacob because of the way it's configured, but... Which it's is okay. weird. I know you don't like the studio so much. No, but, I hate recording. But in I the actually studio. don't mind the studio. It kind of feels more at home. You know, everything's kind of close to each other. But I know, I know. I was told I have a face for radio plenty of times in my life, Jacob. Well, that wasn't that wasn't aimed oh, at that. No. Okay, sure. I don't want to go there. <laughs> They're really test our chemistry. Yes, but uh, all right. Before we talk some NBA basketball, I gotta let you know that this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show is sponsored by Jay Diamond Estates. For all of your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539, or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 020-68311. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Three seconds at midcourt. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone? Kobe Bryant. 
take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. So we're going to get to some buying and selling in in a few minutes. Uh, I just wanted to quickly do some housekeeping real quick. Uh, we mentioned it two weeks ago, I believe, the last time we talked about NBA basketball here on the Sports Kingdom show, uh, that there have been multiple games that have been postponed this season due to COVID-19 and players having to enter the health and safety protocols and all of that. Just wanted to give a quick update that the the list of games postponed this season in the NBA because of COVID-19 has now reached 22 total games. 22 total games have been postponed in the NBA this season. And an update on how many players have tested positive so far uh, this week, uh, dating back to January 20th in the NBA. There's only been one new case uh, of an NBA player that has tested positive. That is down from 11 last week and 16 the week before that. So, boys, it looks like the league uh, has tightened it up with the health and safety protocols. I know they've uh, sent out an updated uh, guideline and set of restrictions. They're monitoring players' interactions pre- and post-game uh, there was a viral video of Kyrie Irving and Bam Adebayo uh, trying to do a jersey exchange, and then Heat security kind of got in the way, and then the next night Kyrie kind of had to sneak his jersey to Bam. So um, it's the league is definitely trying to take it as seriously as they can. Uh, one new player testing positive is obviously a good thing in terms of where the numbers were at the two weeks prior, but obviously we don't want to have any positive cases in the NBA so we can finish the season. Uh, do we think we're going to finish the season here, boys? Or do we think that the list of games getting postponed is just going to keep growing? I think we finish. Um, just because of how creative they've been with the schedule, uh, they kept it flexible in the back half. And, you know, I bring up the NFL a lot in this in this question, you know, just because they threw out because of the money aspect of it, you know, they were willing to throw out teams without coaches, teams without quarterbacks, teams without wide receivers. Um, so I think that the NBA will finish because they'll just make it happen. They'll, they'll still throw out a, a lower quality product to get the game in. Yeah, I think they finished too. Just because what you saw with the MLB and the NFL that sure they had little outbursts of it and it looked like it was going to be closed down. But I think with the NBA – they pretty much got a grip on it. And again, they were the ones who constructed that bubble situation. And I know that this is not the bubble right now, but with the way they have it structured where these players, they go to hotels when they're on the road and they basically, it's basically are, a bubble on the road. Yeah, you're isolated. So you can't really do a lot, which it sucks. I know as a player, but again, you signed up for it. So these are the protocols, but I think that they do get a grasp on it. And so far it showed. So I think, yeah. it, I think we're all good from here. Yeah. Getting, getting the, the numbers down from 16 two weeks ago, 11 last week, and now we're down to one. That's definitely a good sign and and a step in the right direction for the NBA. So hopefully they can continue that. And then the other thing I wanted to quickly mention was uh, another viral moment 
that happened on NBA on TNT last week or over the weekend. I can't I can't remember exactly which day it happened, but it was the the interaction between Shaquille O'Neal and Donovan Mitchell post game after Donovan Mitchell. I think it was I think he had like 36 points on 11 of of 19 shooting that night, and, and the Jazz won pretty handily. And and Shaq post game was doing the interview for TNT and. He basically just straight up said, like, Donovan, I don't I don't really like your game. I don't think you have what it takes to take that next step. And he he I'll I'll give Shaq the credit of saying it to his face. And and Donovan, he took it on the chin and he basically literally one word answer. He was just like, All right, cool. Like, that's fine. Let's let's keep it moving, kind of thing. And Shaq kind of kept trying to egg him on and it was it definitely got awkward uh during the 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 tense moment between the two and a lot of people were going at Shaq after the after the the incident occurred and I I wanted to quickly kind of get everyone's thoughts on it because the first thing that I thought when I saw it was man why can't more former players treat current players like Allen Iverson does because yeah, or or Kobe or or Kobe. Or, that's yeah, that's that's a great example. Obviously, rest in peace, Kobe. Yesterday, Michael, Michael Vick. Yeah, Michael Vick, and uh, obviously, yesterday was the the one year anniversary of uh, losing Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and seven others in in that horrific helicopter crash. But back to back to what we were saying, I I just I understand what Shaq was trying to do. And he he thought he was trying to, I, like I don't know if he actually doesn't believe in Donovan Mitchell. I think uh, Shaq was just trying to motivate uh, Donovan and and try and get him to to step up his play. And it it was weird that he was trying to do that after Donovan had such a great game. But I just I don't understand why former players just treat current players so poorly these days. And it it really is it's a bad look for the NBA in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's a horrible look. I don't, you know, the only credit I'm going to give Shaq is he said it said it to his face. I yeah. mean, if you're going to say some bullshit, if you're going to say some bullshit like that, you know, it's like at least say it to the guy's face. You were like a man about it, but it's just like that's just such a it's such a bullshit comment to make. It's it's a it's a whack it's a whack version of trying to motivate somebody. It doesn't work. You should be uplifting these young players. Um, even if you were trying to uplift, like that was a horrible poor attempt. And I don't care if you have G14 classification or, you know, the only equals you see are LeBron and Curry. It's like, dude, these are great NBA basketball players. They looked up to you. You're not playing anymore, and you're just kind of sitting there judging them, telling them what they can't do. Um, it's just whack, man. It just comes off as a it comes off as a hater move. Like I love Shaq. I love uh, I love the Diesel. Um, but I hate to see stuff like that. It's just like, and his legacy is un- his legacy is untouchable. Like his, his is already oh, everybody set. Everybody knows who he is. He's the most. Yeah, I mean, it's you know he's the most dominant big guy ever. Everybody says it. Everybody believes it. No one's ever going to try to tear him down. It, it's just uh, it's a weird. It's a weird. It was weird. I mean, I would have reacted the exact same way Donovan Mitchell now. If he would have said that to Donovan Mitchell, uh, if he had, you know, if he went like 
four of 18 for the field at 12 points and a loss, then it's like, then maybe that comment hits a little differently because Mitchell's like, yeah, you know what? Like, I do need to, like, I'm going to show you that you're wrong type yeah. of shit, you know? But it's like, dude, come on. Like, I don't got nothing. I'm Donovan Mitchell, one of the premier playmakers in the, in the league. Uh, my team's in first place for the West. Like, it's, uh, it, it's. Well, the it Jazz was, aren't in first West, place, huh? Tyler. I thought they were. The Jazz? Yeah, Utah, Utah Jazz. No, the Lakers have the best record in the NBA, Tyler. Or they did before uh, their loss tonight. Well, I'm looking at the stage right now. Uh, 13 and four Utah Jazz sit ahead of the 14 and five Lakers. No, I guess they are in first place, but at, at the time they weren't. I, I, uh, okay, but I, I just that was like I just had looked at the the standing. No, so, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, regardless, if they were first, second in the West, I mean Utah's a good team, and Donovan yeah. Mitchell's a great player. You just you just coming off you you come off the wrong way and. And I don't think Shaq's really that guy. It's, it's 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 shitty. Like he should be more. You know, he should strive to be more uplifting because he carries such a heavy voice. You know. Yeah. See, Shaq's Shaq's legacy, like you mentioned, Eric, it's already set. So I don't really feel like why he needs to poke at these current players. Yeah, it was unnecessary, and it, it completely unnecessary. But Shaq's kind of known to have that that those childlike moments like this. Regardless if he's an analyst, he probably should should be acting better. But my thing is is that you're never going to get what you're hoping for with Allen Iverson because that's far and few yeah. of, of the players Yo, that Allen are, are going to speak. Kind. Yeah, of the players that are going to speak highly on on the new current players. Where players from Shaq's era and Barkley's era and Kenny Smith's era, they're always going to have something negative to say. That's why also why they're analysts because they play the game before and you come to it now. And regardless of what these new players do, yeah, they could say it's great, this and that. But when you start comparing these players to them, that's when their egos come into play. And they're not going to sit there and say that these players were better than them. Right. That's just how it is. So when you get in the air-to-air battle, super hard to compare them because it's not realistic. But that's going to always be there. And, and I believe that the new era is going to be so much better about this. I do believe that, like, the Banana Boat crew, Dwight Howard, uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, Kevin Durant type of era of players. I think these guys are going to be uplifting. Yeah, I I just think that what Shaq did as a, as an analyst, it, it brought no benefit to to the post game show or the conversation that that should be had after a, a performance like Donovan Mitchell had that night. So I mean, and he didn't even challenge him. He just told him, "I don't believe you have right." Like, what it, like. It wasn't even like I want to see you do this or I want to see you do that or like you should be here. He just like, straight up told him he was like, I don't like your game. Like it, I I don't it see like, any. I, yeah, it wasn't constructive criticism at all. Right, and I think that's what he was trying or thought that he was doing. And, and the intent might have been there, but uh, you know, it was poorly executed. When you're on national, yeah, when you're on national <laughs> television, you gotta execute a little better than that. Yeah. But all right, let's uh, let's get to this uh, buy or sell game that uh, we wanted to to play tonight. I got five things here for us. Uh, the first thing we got is Miles Turner of the Indiana Pacers. So far, one month into the NBA season, he's averaging four point one blocks per game. So what I want to know is if we're buying or selling this four blocks a game average, and for me. Obviously, four 
four blocks a game is absurd, but I, I got to sell it. It's, I think it's, it's not sustainable. I think to average four blocks a game, it's, it's great that he's come out of the gates hot like this, especially on the defensive end in Indiana is a, a young up and coming team. But I think ultimately his average will drop somewhere to to maybe two and a half, maybe three, if if he stays at a at a pretty consistent level. But I just I don't think you can sustain averaging four blocks per game uh, for an entire season. Tyler, Tyler, what about you? Are you buying or selling that four blocks per game for an entire I'm season? Def- I'm definitely selling high on the on the blocks per game. Yeah, um, you know I think this is going to be the the high. But you know, I would I would be much more likely to buy in as in finishing the season as the leader. Yeah, I definitely think I think he has a chance to definitely lead the league in blocks this year. He's a a tremendous shot blocker um, and a great great overall center. But like you say, it's it's I'm selling high. It's a little it's, it's it's it is tough to sustain. Jacob, what about you? Yeah, I got to sell on this one too. Turner, a great defensive player. And of course, he obviously has to step up with that Indiana Pacers team because I think they're in third, if I'm reading the standings correctly here. But again, not sustainable. But I do think he might end up close to uh, near the top of tier of, of uh, shot blockers. So yeah. At least at least the top three. Yeah. I, I think uh, obviously Anthony Davis has gotten off to a slow start this year. I think Anthony Davis, he, he's, he's averaging 1.9 blocks per game blocks per game uh so um i think ultimately whoever does end up leading the league in blocks it'll probably be somewhere in that two two and a half that's usually what it is about two yeah so um miles turner great defensive player uh for the indiana pacers and i i think uh he'll definitely be uh at the top uh of the blocks per game leaderboard come the end of the season but i don't think it's I don't think it's sustainable to to average four blocks per game. Now, the next one we got is the New York Knicks being the best defensive team in the NBA and they're eighth in the East. Now, we're one month into the into the season, so it's you if you want to consider that a small sample size or a big sample size, I'll I'll leave that up to you. But I'm selling even though they're giving up the least amount of points per game, they're averaging less points per game than they're giving up. So to me, that's not a recipe for success at all. Uh, One of the bright spots of their season has been the play of Julius Randle. He's in a contract year. So he's, he's really doing everything he can to get uh, paid out there on the open market this upcoming off season. But even though the Knicks are the best defensive team right now in the NBA, I don't think that it, will be so come the end of the year. So I'm selling on the Knicks right now. Tyler, what about you? And we're talking we're talking um best defensive scoring. Yes, yeah. They're they're like that, that, yeah. They're allowing the least amount of points. Yeah. Yeah, which is totally like, you know, it's a it's a it's like a play style thing, you know, like there's teams that, that play that sort of game that they're not necessarily the best defense. That's like kind of where I see the Knicks right now. So uh, I would sell on them uh, being the best defensive team in the NBA. Oh, this is a big time sell for me. Again, this is probably their biggest bright spot, which is good to see some success coming out of New York for those <laughs> Knicks. But I don't think this is at all sustainable for them. I think they'll be a solid defensive team, 
when the season's over and done with. And again, you said small sample size, and that's what I thought of in this situation. But I, I do not think this is going to be uh, a long-lasting thing for them. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. So we're all selling on the Knicks. What's up, Tyler? I do think they're, they're I do think they're going to be, you know, because of their play style, I think that they are going to be up there statistically with one of the better ones, but they're not really that good. Well, my my issue is is that they're they're averaging, I think I think they're averaging 101 points per game as a team. Well, here it says 103, which is well, that, which yeah, is but, a little bit off. But, how much is it, a number off from the Lakers and right, the Jazz? Right, but how much are the Knicks scoring as a team? That's where they're averaging. Yeah, oh, they're, they're averaging 101. Exactly. Yeah, 103 is what they're uh, letting opponents score. Right, exactly. So that's where I think it's not a recipe for success, where it's like they're not even scoring as much as their well, opponents. Especially in a league now that is so offensively driven, because sure, you see defense, but that's not a big factor in it anymore. A lot of these players now score yeah. in bunches. And holding a team to 103 points in today's NBA, that's a, that's a great feat. That's that's almost unheard of these days. Yeah, but you also got to score too, though. Exactly, and that's where the Knicks run into their issues is they don't have a, a go-to guy. It's definitely not a recipe for wins, but I think that they're on the right track as far as focusing on that end of the floor. Yeah, and, I mean, Thibodeau is known for his defense. And, and, you know, the other thing I love that they're doing um, is the minutes played. I mean, Thibodeau, Thibodeau plays his guys. Oh. You know, they're the, like R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, all these guys are going to be in career highs. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing we know about Tom Thibodeau, it's he's going to stick with his guys and he's going to run them till he can't anymore. Yep, and, and I think that that's great for a young team. Get these guys out there running. For sure. So, all right, the next topic we are going to talk about is Alex Caruso. Huh. The bald eagle, the bald mamba, the Caruso, I could keep going. He's leading the league in three-point shooting at uh, as of my notes last night before uh, tonight's Lakers game against Philadelphia, which they lost. Alex Caruso came into that game shooting 54.5% from three-point range. He hit the only three-pointer that he took tonight, so he was 100% from the field tonight. So that percentage probably ticked up a little bit. Um, He's leading the league in three-point shooting. Seth Curry is behind him at 53.7. Wayne Ellington in third at 51.9. And then Caruso's teammate, Laker guard, Laker champion, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, rounds out the top four at 50%. From three-point range and listen I'm buying this man Caruso is a winning basketball player I've said it time in time out he makes winning basketball plays he has improved in one form or another every year he has been in the league and last year it was an improvement on defense and with that he gained LeBron's trust and you see him out there in closing lineups for the Lakers in crunch time when they need a basket or when they need a defensive stop. Caruso is out there, and he's come back this season with an improved outside shot, which will only lead to gaining more of LeBron's trust because if you're open, LeBron's going to find you, and you better hit that shot. And so far through one month of the NBA season so far, Caruso's been hitting those shots 
at 54.5%. And he has, like I said, improved in one form or another every season. And I just think that Caruso is going to be able to sustain this shooting level because LeBron elevates the play of everybody. And when you are playing well, your confidence is at an all-time high. And getting that experience with LeBron on that run last year to the championship, uh, you saw it, uh, you see it with KCP as well, shooting 50% from three-point range. KCP said that playing with LeBron and AD last year, he now knows where to be on the floor when LeBron wants to find him in a specific spot and he's there and he's now hitting those shots. So it's it's been nothing but good things for Alex Caruso so far this year in the regular season. So I'm I'm buying Alex Caruso leading the league in three-point percentage through one month of the NBA season. Tyler, what about you? So that's what we're, so we're buying the the lead, not the stat, not the percentage. Yeah, the lead. All right, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I I think that uh, you nailed it. I mean, that he's gonna have the easiest shot in the league. Yeah. I mean, he's never gonna he's, he's never gonna be chased around. He's never gonna have a shadow. Um, his guys are more than likely with that Lakers firepower. His guys are more likely gonna leave him to double. Um, I do buy this because I think he's going to have really good looks and he's become a really confident player. And uh, I like him as kind of, he, he reminds me of uh, J.R. Smith's role with, the, with Cleveland uh, when they went to those four NBA finals. You know, he's, he's a not, he can, he can knock down the bucket. He's a, he's a super athletic, you know, energetic guy. And he brings a little, he brings a, a little X factor on defense. Yeah, and if he can turn, if he can really turn this three-point shooting into a consistent night-in, night-out thing, Alex Caruso is one of the top three and D guys in the league. Well, and we saw a guy that's on the Laker roster, Wes Matthews. I've seen, I've seen guys make this season, have this season. You know, one, I remember the year Wes Matthews left the league in Portland in three-point percentage, and it was a very similar situation. He was a good shooter. But he wasn't that, you know, that kind. I mean, these are Kyle Korver type of percentages, you know. So I definitely see the big jump this year again uh, for like the third year in a row. But I'm I'm, I'm buying him uh, ending up at the top. Yeah, man. He, he just he makes winning basketball plays, and he he's that's it. That's he's another, set up for success, um, man. You, you say that a lot. I, I do believe that there there is something to that, you know. He, he makes winning plays. They they need a Caruso on the Rams. <laughs> not to get not to get too off track here. They need a Caruso on the Rams. You know, tell me something I don't know, guy. Tyler. I'll be more specific. The Rams offense needs a guy like Caruso, just a winning plays kind of guy. <laughs> Championship ball player. Jacob, are you buying or selling Alex Caruso leading the league in three point shooting? Now, again, for correction, not buying the stat. Right, not the actual percentage, but just him leading the league. Oh well, him him leading the league, I gotta sell. Only th- my only thing is that not sustainable. But I do think the what you said about him having easier shots, I think that comes with playing with LeBron. Yeah. But as far as him getting this stat and holding on to it, I don't think that's gonna happen. But again, he has easy shots to him because playing with AD and LeBron, life's gonna be a lot easier. And 
I will say that he has gotten better over his last couple years because that was always a couple issues when he did play in summer league and even when he was in the G League was sometimes he was bad at defense. And last year, he didn't hit a lot of open shots. So for Laker fans, this is a good thing to see him hitting open buckets. And you better hit these shots if you're getting them open. That's all I got to say. Yeah, that's that's what it needs to be is like, like you said, playing with LeBron and AD, it makes everyone's life a lot easier and you're going to get these open looks because the defense is going to be so focused on Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But if you're going to be open, you better hit that shot. Yeah, see, see, that's that's my thing. And I think you, you've seen that with previous teammates of LeBron is that he expects them to hit these open shots because he's a shot creator. He's going to run the offense at times. And when you have that opportunity, you best bet you have practiced that shot before because you need to hit these shots in key moments. You've seen it with J.R. Smith, obviously with Kyrie Irving. These are guys that have played with him, and they've been in these moments where you have to hit these shots. And you you bring up it's who it's happened for with LeBron James, with J.R. Smith hitting big shots or Kyrie Irving hitting big shots or KCP last year in, exactly. in the playoffs hitting big there. shots. Go back in history and to the other GOATs. Jordan had Paxton and Kerr. Kobe had Derek Fisher hit the shot in Orlando. Ron Artest hit the shot in Game 7 against Boston. Robert Ory hitting the shot against the Kings. It's it's, it's a part of a, a championship team where you need to have guys that are going to hit the open shot when you need it because there's so much focus on your star players. Exactly, and especially when the stars struggle or when they they can't get their shot going or they're getting double teamed, whatever the it, case may be. It's guys like those you that need can pick these them guys. up. You need these guys like Caruso. So I'm just not buying the stat, but I am buying his play this year because of how he has stepped up. Yep. All right, the, the next one we got is the Wizards, and the last time we did this buy or sell, uh, I believe it was after the first week of the NBA season, and there were already concerns with how the Wizards had gotten off to a cold start. And really, it hasn't warmed up at all for the Wizards. They're 3-10. They're and They have the worst record in the league. Are we buying this slow start, or do we think Russ and Bradley Beal figure it out? To me, I'm going to sell this slow start. I think... This team has missed a lot of time together because guys were out due to the health and safety protocols, and they they even had some games get postponed. So in my opinion, now that they're getting back on track and getting guys back from the health and safety protocols, they're they're starting to play games again. If they can string together a nice little three, four game win streak and build some momentum, they might be able to turn their season around and Bradley Beal, he's leading the league in scoring, uh, scoring, I think, more than 34 points a game right now. So there's clearly something there. Uh, Obviously, when you have guys like Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal on your team, they can go out and win you a game when when you need them to. But it, it just hasn't happened so far, I think, because of the lack of continuity this team has had with the the changes in the the rotation and the lineup with guys being out. So it, if they can just string together a nice little win streak here uh, now that they're starting to get guys to come back. I think they can can turn things around. Tyler, what about you? So so what so what are, are we are we buying and selling them in in last place? Yeah, just the their I slow the, start. Yeah, I'm selling I, I I'm selling it. I think this is a much better basketball team than yeah. their record reflects. Uh, I I like this I I do believe that this team puts together a stretch in the middle of the year where they win eight out of 10 or 
you know, you know, five in a row or something like that. And and right now, you know, if you got a 500 record, you're like the six or seven seed in the what in the East. So um, they're in the East. It gives them some more time to make up that ground. Uh, and and I and I I do look for them too. But Thomas Bryant, Thomas Bryant was a big. That was a big hit for that baby Laker man. And well, and he's out for the year, right? Yeah, yeah. He he tore his ACL, so he and, him going and he was down their starting center. Yeah, yeah. Um, he so that he was had, tough. That was tough. Yeah, it. They they definitely have had their their running with either the injury bug or obviously uh, COVID and the health and safety protocols. So that that like I said is I think their biggest issue. Jacob, are you buying or selling this slow start from the Wizards? Uh, well, like I said, I think before when it was pretender or contender with this team, yeah. um, I said they were a pretender, and I'm so I'm going to stick with I'm buying this uh, slow okay. start only okay. because again I think what I mentioned earlier when we talked about this of them being a legit contender in the East, they probably have a shot of making the playoffs just considering you play in the East and it's so weak and the playing scenario this yeah, year. Yeah, so I think they do make the playoffs, but I am buying their slow start only because I'm sitting here looking at their roster. And besides Russ and Beal, I don't really see any other guy that can get it done. That's just the way I see it. And if you don't have these other guys getting it done, these guys can't score 50 a night and get you a win every single night. It's going to happen on occasions where Beal's going to go off. Like he did last year, a couple games in a row, he had a 50-plus. You know, and, and those, those games, came in losses. And those games came in losses, exactly. So, again, I don't think it gets it done. Okay. All right, the last one for the night for the NBA, buy or sell. Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets is averaging 25.4 points per game, 11.9 rebounds per game, and 9.3 assists per game. So he's averaging almost a triple-double. There there was a period of time this season he was where he was averaging a triple-double. So are we buying or selling Nikola Jokic as a legitimate MVP candidate this season for the NBA? Tyler, are you buying or selling that? I'm selling it. Okay, uh, I wow. Believe that he's, yeah, I, you know, MVP is just that's that's thin air. You know, we're, we're talking three, four guys. Um, and although he's a great player, and I think no doubt he'll, you know, people will put him in the mix. He's not a real threat to be first place. I think he might be a threat to get third place. Interesting, Tyler. I I definitely thought you were gonna go the opposite it's, way it's and more, buy it it's it's more towards the other players you well, know what i'm saying like Jok- Jokic is an amazing talent um but with braun and ad and and, and Giannis and luca um you know and, and, and a plethora of other kd uh, a plethora of other guys i just don't know where he fits in and i definitely don't see a fitting in as number one dude i the reason I was so surprised that you were selling is because I'm also selling. I, th- I thought we were going to be on opposite sides of the fence here on this, but I think you're 100% right. I think that because he's in the West and the talent that's in the Western Conference alone, forget the Eastern Conference MVP candidates, I think in the Western Conference alone that there there are other guys who could potentially get it over him. And, and also, I just think the MVP is so dependent on team record, too, that if the Nuggets potentially fall out of the top four, I don't think it's possible for him to win it. And ultimately, I just don't think his game is flashy enough for the media to vote for him as the MVP of the league. I think that I think that he's like a he's definitely like a favorite because he's just such a 
such a promising young, you know, or, you know, Oh, he's arguably the best big man in the league. And, uh, uh, you know, we've seen, I've seen guys average a triple double and not get MVP, you know? So, um, that's, it's, it's not a knock on Jokic. Uh, I just don't believe that he's a real threat to take it home. Jacob, what about you? You think he's a real shot for MVP this year because uh, he's averaging almost a triple-double, or is it going to go somewhere else? I think he's a legit contender, and the reason I say that is because the way I view the MVP award and what it means to a team is that if you take off that player from that team, what do they become? I know they have Murray, so this one's a little bit tricky because Murray, he's an exceptional talent in itself, but I think that team is not the same without Jokic because such an unorthodox guy can pass the ball he shoots it really weird, but he gets it done. So I think that's why he is a legit MVP candidate. Now, it is tough to get that award in the West itself, like you guys mentioned, because you have so many other, just the guards alone, is you have so many candidates. So I think he doesn't win the award by any stretch, but I think he is a legit candidate, though. Okay. All right. Well, that uh, that does it for uh, the NBA buyer-sell. Uh, we're, we're one month into the NBA season, and... Uh, I think we're really getting to the point where we're we're really starting to see some separation uh, of who is in the running for for this year's championship. And I know people might say it's only a month in, and it's 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 kind of early to say that. But I think with with the way the NBA has been and and, and the parity in the league over the last few years, I think it's it's starting to really become evident who. Who's the cream of the crop in the league, and and who is is really looking up at at those those teams? Tyler, any thoughts on that? Oh, sorry. Um, no, you're good. Yeah, you know, my, my bad. I was my I, I knew it when you guys were talking. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it, it's you know we mentioned it during football. You're playing two opponents. Um, yeah, and, and you're playing COVID, and you're playing. And and the teams with the best kind of organization, top to bottom, you know, depth, all all this kind of stuff. We saw in the NFL, all those teams kind of rose to the top. And um, there wasn't, you know, it was the Brady's, it, it it was it was New Orleans, it was it was Kansas City, it was Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Like Baltimore, the, these very stable um, franchises. And I think that that's what you're gonna. That's why it's not too early to kind of you know, pick contenders in the NBA because I think that, you know, teams like the Lakers um, and and even, you know, maybe maybe Brooklyn or, or throwing teams like Boston Celtics, um, they're just – I think that they're going to – they're easy to, to call an early favorite because of their stability as a franchise facing COVID and other NBA teams. Yeah, and I mean, I think we're down to I think only like six or seven teams – now that haven't had a game postponed or affected due to uh, COVID nineteen or players not or not having enough players um, to be able to field a team to to start a game. So, l- like you said, Tyler, fighting two opponents. It's we we've said it since COVID nineteen has been a part of our lives that ultimately I think the healthiest team will will be the winningest yeah. team. And, and you got, I mean, then it comes down to, you know, scouting departments in the, in the G League and, and who, you, who you got your eyes on um, when you got five names knocked off your roster. Um, it's a coaching, you know, and being able to coach on the fly and 
You're, and you're are those players going to be ready? Guy, is your 12th and 13th guy locked in? You know, yeah. I think that the Lakers, it's safe to assume that their guys are locked in all the way down to, to 12th, 13th oh, guy. Quinn Cook's now, ready to go. We they, know that. Are, are, are the New York Knicks are the New York Knicks that locked in? Maybe. Thibodeau's there. So it's like there's all these these factors. Um, but ultimately, I think that you could count on the veteran leadership. The teams that have veteran leadership, the teams that have good French, you know, franchise stability, you know, great leadership at the head coach, those are, I think, the teams that are going to be able to, to rise to the occasion. Yep. All right, let's, uh, let's hit the gridiron. I'm just about that action, boss. You play to win the game. So because the Super Bowl is not this upcoming Sunday, but next Sunday, I believe it's February 7th, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double check the calendar. Yes, Sunday, February 7th, Super Bowl 55 will take place. Uh, But because that is two weeks away, uh, we figured we would just uh, stick on the conference championships and uh, recap what happened. We'll start in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Buffalo Bills, the one versus the two seed. Kansas City ended up winning 38 to 24. Um, And we don't we're not really going to dwell on Kansas city and then obviously Tampa Bay won in the NFC. So we're not really going to dwell on the winners uh, since we'll, we'll have time to do that next week when we preview the super bowl. Uh, Let's focus on Buffalo for a second and and what they're looking at uh, headed into the off season. Now, Uh, Tyler, you mentioned it two weeks ago. I reiterated it last week because you weren't here. We had the mentality that the Bills had nothing to lose going into this matchup with the Chiefs. They ended up losing, uh, but Buffalo, they did their best to keep themselves in the game the whole time, and I I think things could not look better for them right now as a team, even though they lost. They they got that taste of getting so close but but coming up just short and – Hopefully, and I think this will end up happening, but hopefully they can turn that into motivation uh, for next season and, and they can start a new reign over the AFC East now that the Patriots are, are in the rearview mirror. Shout out uh, to Cole Beasley, obviously, for for playing in that AFC championship game with a partially broken fibula. Uh, Tyler, what, what were your thoughts after uh, the Kansas City-Buffalo game in the AFC championship? Uh, in terms of where Buffalo stands now? I mean, I'm stoked. You know, I think <laughs> you got a good one at quarter. You, uh, you got a good one at quarterback, um, which is, which is arguably the most important, uh, you know, so you got, you got a great defense. You've got a great fans. You got a good home field advantage. Um, really? I mean, 
you know, you can look at Josh Allen run the ball. He was the leading rusher in the game. Um, he's a great rushing quarterback. But, you know, maybe that – the kind of – the words that I used to, that I used throughout the year of the power ranks was this team doesn't scare you. Now, Stephon Diggs, you know, he scares you. But at the running game, cause, you know, that's where, like, I would – if I'm a Bills fan, I want my running game. Uh, I want that that kind of skill set to be the thing that's upgraded. I don't want my, my franchise elite quarterback – you know, leading my team in rushing in the playoffs. Um, you know, David Singletary is nice, or Devin Singletary is nice, um, and, and they drafted a, a rookie this year. So maybe they get better with just progression. But if I'm a Bills fan, I'm stoked. There's not a lot to nitpick there. They, they've got a full roster. They've made the run. They beat. They took down the Patriots. Um, they need to keep the Patriots at bay uh, by continuing to get better. Um, and, and and they got a Miami team in their their division that's nipping at their heels as well. So, uh, but if I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, man, it's all good. I think we we hung 24 points up on on Kansas City. That's just not quite enough. Um, no, that'll not get the job they're, done they're, against Kansas City. They're, and they ran up against a, a Kansas City team that's one of the best football teams, if not the single best football team I've ever seen in my life. So. Uh, nothing, nothing to hold your head. You know, you went 13 and three. Uh, Bills Mafia should be happy, um, and especially Josh Allen. You know, that that's that's the real gem. Um, you found your guy. Yeah, and I think uh, you mentioned him, Tyler Stefan Diggs. I think the addition of him to that Buffalo Bills team and really solidifying that number one receiver option for Josh Allen. I think that was such a huge part of his development this year, giving him that go-to guy. And I saw video after the AFC Championship game was over during the the trophy celebration. Uh, I don't I don't know if I really want to call it a celebration for the, for the Chiefs because obviously they're they're playing for something bigger uh, in two weeks and they know that. Uh, but Stephon Diggs was the last Buffalo Bills player to leave the field. And he watched that entire celebration for the Chiefs uh, after that game. So that that goes right back to what we were saying about they got that taste in their mouth of being so close and coming up just short that they're going to try and turn that into motivation for next year. Yeah, and Stephon's in there. You know, Stephon, he's been there. Uh, yeah, he had chances in Minnesota. Much, much, much more so than the rest of that team. So he, you know, I'm sure that he really felt like you never know when you're going to get another chance. Uh, you really got to, you really got to soak it in. And, you know, Stephon, it was huge for Josh Allen. I mean, we, we I, I, I talk about it, um, you know, a, a number one guy at the running back position or a number one guy at the wide receiver position can really just change your whole offense because you can, you know, counter everything off of them. Uh, and that's, he really just tied the bow on this offense um and 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 was huge for Josh Allen to get a true number one. Yeah, Jacob, where do you think Buffalo goes from here after after losing to Kansas City in the AFC Championship game? Well, it's funny you mentioned that Diggs picture or, or that moment because to me, when I was scrolling through social media, that was by far my favorite picture of the night. It was just seeing him watch the Chiefs celebrate and kind of using that fuel for the offseason and what's yeah. to come next season. But I think for the Bills, though, they they did everything they could, and I think they exceeded a lot of expectations. They held on to their division, and I don't think a lot of people had them going this far, at least when the season began. I sure didn't, but I think as, as you saw the progression of the season, you saw how good Josh Allen was, how composed he was 
from from his first year and even from his second year. And you see his his whole numbers, and obviously they're increasing. So for the Bills, I think you're in a perfect position. And I think I compared it best to when the game ended. I sat there and I was watching. And I was like, this is just kind of like what the Chiefs went through in a way when they lost to Brady and yeah. the, and the Patriots. They were so close to getting there, and they had such a spectacular season. Mahomes comes off of an MVP type season. I think he did win that year. Yeah, and. They, they fell short because, obviously, you, you lose to the better team, the more experienced team, and I think this is what the Bills are going to go through. Give them another year or so, and they're fighting for that championship. Um, well, they're back in the AFC championship game, and they could be very well in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I, you brought up the expectations coming into the season for the Bills, and I think there were a lot of question marks surrounding the expectations for the Bills because everybody knew that this was going to be the Patriots' first year without Tom Brady and Bill Belichick taking the field for them together as head coach and, and quarterback and the window of opportunity was wide open for for everybody else in the AFC East and they and took it full advantage of it Buffalo seized it right out of the gate right out of the gate and they they were re- rewarded for it the entire season by being the second seed in the in the AFC and getting the chance to face the defending Super Bowl champs and number one seed AFC uh uh, number one seed in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs. So yeah, I mean we're we're all on the same page here that it, it's only looking up here for Buffalo, right, guys? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I their highest ranking in the power rankings this year was fourth. Wow. I'd like to add. So I wow. feel like I really nailed. I really nailed their. You know. Yeah. I, I, I like the build all all year, but like Jokic. It's like, I don't know if I can put them at number one. But now, next year, you know, I think that that expectation bumps up a little bit. They can be a number one team. Right, and that that's what comes with the, the up level of play this season. It's like, all right, now they have expectations going into next season where it's like, all right, can you do what you did last year again? Yeah, see, now they almost ruined it for themselves because now you get to next year and now you're expected of this same result. At least now you fall short of that AFC championship game in a win. Now you're kind of falling short because you've been there already. And so the fans and the league is now going to expect to get it from the Bills every single game. Yeah. But if Josh Allen wants to be a, a great quarterback, you got to step up. He's got he's got to do it. You've took you've already taken it another that's, level and that's how you broke the other people's expectations. Now you got to take it a step further. Yeah, that's where you want to be as a football team. If if your expectation is to be what, you know, I'm not looking at it as like a pressure scenario, you know, like that's a sign of we, we've, we're here now. We're this franchise. We do expect to get 12 wins. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's where they're at. And that, that's where they're at. And um, I think their biggest threat to being a number one team is other teams. They're there, you know? Yeah. Now uh, a common theme in both conference championship games, and now we can kind of get into Tampa Bay and green Bay. That It's funny. I, it, I didn't even put it, it together that it's like Tampa Bay, Green Bay. The two bays are playing each other. That's that's kind of funny. Um, but a common theme in both conference championship games was the decision to either go for a field goal or go for it on fourth down because you, you really need the yardage and, and you really need to put points up on the board. So Buffalo had the chance to go for it twice, but they elected to go for field goals both times and then – in crunch time, the Packers had the chance to go for it, but they decided to go for a field goal. And ultimately, I think that 
those decisions were big time factors in why both the Bills and Packers lost. And Tyler, I think you you know more about football than me. I'll I'll, I'll happily admit that any day of the week. Uh, what what were your thoughts about either the decision to go for the field goal or or go for it on fourth down for for those guys? Because I mean, I heard it on the Pat McAfee show, and he was talking to Chris Carter about it, and, and Chris Carter was saying that it, it was as if they were playing those scenarios like they were in a regular season game, and they they didn't have. They they weren't playing for for more than something that was just a regular season game. Like the the playoffs, it's a much higher stakes game. Like there's there's more at stake. Yeah. They they were yeah they were too laxed in that that scenario is what Chris Carter was basically saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just talked about this in the World Series. I mean, this was this yeah. Is, that's a great it, it that's a great to, comparison, it, Tyler, with um it, it, with it Blake comes Snell down to coaching. Absolutely. It comes down to a coaching philosophy. There, there are, you know, with football and the possession times, you know, you know, when you know, basically like how many plays you have left in the game. Um, And it's, and it's like, it's the safest way to try to like get the win. And in the NFL, like in high school and college, I don't think that these decisions are as hard because the defenses aren't as good. The field position isn't quite as important in the NFL. It is. I mean, it really is a game of inches. Um, and so, like, I agree with Chris Carter. It was a regular season decision. Uh, you and, and when it comes to coaching, I think that there's a, there's a big line in the stand between uh, coaching to win and coaching not to lose. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. coaching not to lose, you're playing conservatively. You're doing kind of by the book. You're playing – it's like playing blackjack by the rules. You know, there's yeah. no gut instinctual decision-making in there. It's like, you know, the analytics – or, or as far as like the baseball side of it, the just kind of the history of the game and how you manage the clock right. and the you, ball. And you said it. You said it perfectly. You it's, it, but you said it perfectly. It's playing to either win or just playing not to lose. Yeah. Yep. And 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 me and Corey, when we watch football, I mean, this drives us nuts because I do believe that you should in those moments you should be trying to trying to win. I think that the Packers' decision. Was 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 huge. I, I think Aaron Rodgers was pissed. I think oh, mu- the Packers were like much more costly regular. than Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, I just, I just think that you you got to be more aggressive to win the game. You cannot, uh, like, ex- especially with the offenses uh, that are in the game at this point. You're gonna, so you're gonna kick this field goal, kick the ball to Brady. And you're you're kicking this field goal because you're confident that your defense can get a stop, get the ball back, and score again. You know that's basically what you're saying when you keep this field goal. Yeah, I, I don't feel confident that I can stop Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady like that one time. I feel like they're going to get the the amount of first downs they need, and they did. Yeah, um, and and going back to the fact that we think that the Packers' decision to to go for the field goal instead of going forward on fourth down was was more costly it's like yeah Matt LaFleur trusted his defense to get the stops and they did get the stops they forced two interceptions in the second half the only problem is it resulted in zero points for the team they they couldn't convert when they got two big interceptions in the second half and that literally gave Tom Brady and Tampa Bay all the hope that they needed to secure that victory and Tampa Bay ends up winning the game 31 to 26. And Rogers is on the sideline. So it's it's, it's ultimately, it's like you chose your defense to get a shot 
You, you chose your defense to get a stop over you over Aaron Rodgers being able to complete an 11 yard pass. Uh, so that's where Aaron Rodgers lost out the field. You didn't believe in me or just right now, you know, you, you're, you played it safe. Um, and you basically believed in the defense more so than, than Aaron. Rod- I got to You got to go out with your guys. I think you feel so much better about that loss. If Aaron Rodgers has the ball in his hand and, and he throws an incomplete pass, uh, you know, on fourth and goal. You know, yeah. Do you uh, think you should have? Do you think you should have tried to run for it instead? It's it's. I don't think I could confidently ever say that he should run it instead. He of had JPP of on his heels, man. He JPP was because close. Because of how gifted, because of how gifted the man is, I just I don't care if he has fifty yards of grass in front of him. I'd rather him throw it five yards in front of him. Yeah. To, to somebody, I just. It's just he's just a special he's a special thrower. He might be the best thrower of the football I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, so, like, I think that there's probably 28 quarterbacks in the league that probably should have ran it in, you know. But he just happens to be one of the four. That you know, I can't I, even if it looks good on the film. I just I'm always going to be okay with Rogers throwing the rock. Yeah, and listen, I mean, the talk all year was Aaron Rodgers doesn't have enough help yet look at what he was able to turn this season into for the Packers and for himself he he was able to turn it into an MVP season in a second consecutive NFC championship game but ultimately you can say it was not having enough weapons or you can say it was because Matt LaFleur didn't go for it on fourth down when he should have I, I just I don't think any of that matters at the end of the day now because because the Packers lost. I just I don't see how Aaron Rodgers comes back to this Green Bay team. I think I think this was his last season in Green Bay, and I think really that was cemented the the second they drafted Jordan Love. Uh, that's tough, man. I, I I really don't you know I don't know where I stand on that. It, it's it's. It's hard for me to think that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers um, separate at this point in his career. Uh, yeah, I mean, they blew it. I think that what they they have to show him that they're recommitting to him and get him some weapons uh, for sure. But I don't, man. I just I don't know if Rodgers wants to take a chance on a different franchise when Green Bay's been such a you know. Is such he should, a, dude. He deserves it. Green Bay should do he whatever does. he wants. Like it, it, what's crazy is, is it's it, to compare it to basketball. It's it's the complete opposite situation of the James Harden and the Rockets. The Rockets did everything James Harden asked and and got him all the help that he asked for. And the, and James Harden and the Rockets still just couldn't get it done. Rogers has not gotten any help whatsoever. Yet he's been able to turn shit into lemonade like it's it's been unbelievable what he's done in green bay yeah it's just you know i hate to think about it. it's like man if that jordan love pick maybe that one guy could have made the difference you know and maybe he thinks that way but you know ultimately i think if they have a good off season they acquire some depth you know he still has the Devonte adams there he still has a you know Jamal Adams, he still has the. Uh, but what's the point if your coach uh, isn't going to trust you in crunch time and he decides to go for a field goal instead of trying to put six points on the board? No, and I mean, the crunch time decision matched with the Jordan Love decision is, is all in favor of Aaron leaving. But, man, that's just uh, 
that's a big time divorce. You know, that's, you know, our, I, I consider him to be the best player in the NFL outside of Mahomes. I thought he was the best player in the NFL my, basically the last 10 years outside of the last two years Mahomes has had. I mean, I think he really is that dude. Um, and so it's like for Green Bay has got to do whatever they can to not let him go. Oh, 100%. And, and, I, assume that, and I assume that that's their mindset. Jacob, what do you think is the next step for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Honestly, man, I got to agree with you. I think Rodgers has given this franchise so much, and in return, they haven't given him what he's asked for. Sure, this season I think was a little bit different than previous years, or at least the, the, the more recent ones, because the defense was at least playing okay. It was playing well at times. It wasn't great. But he did have, on the offensive end, though, he did have go-to guys in Adams and Jones. You know, that the run game worked for them. But when when things weren't going their way, like in this game, when Adams wasn't getting it, it was, he was struggling. Well, and Jones fumbled in, in the AFC Championship game, and he ended up getting hurt on the fumble, and he, he didn't end up returning to the game at all. So that definitely played a factor in the the Packers offense not being a, at full force. Yeah, so so moving forward, I I think that he he should think of of a different place to play only because you've given this this team all you have and you've asked for so much and the whole Jordan Love situation at the beginning of the season was it blown out of proportion a little bit maybe, but he used it as fuel though because look at what kind of season he had this year. Yeah. You know, he he comes back and he still proves to all these doubters saying he still is that guy. Unfortunately though, comparing it to basketball like you did with the Rockets, he might be just one of those guys that is just that good. He has one, though. He has at least one. But he just might be that guy who just wins one, and that's it. Yeah, and I mean, mean, yeah, like you said, he has one, but it's crazy. Tom Brady now has as many NFC championships as Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. And this is his first year in the NFC. (laughs) Yeah, just just a funny note to put onto that. Um, but back yeah, to Ro- back to Rodgers. We got to remember too. Rodgers is the guy that sat in the green room all night, and no one took him but the Green Bay Packers. Right, exactly. You know, and, and and he's and he got he's got his coach. And he's been one you of the know, guys that has. T- he's one of the guys in sports that mentioned wanting to play for one franchise for his career for for the entirety of his career. Excuse me. Um, but, but in that situation, you got to weigh what's more important to you. Do you stay there and potentially lose, which is more NFC Championship games, or do you go somewhere and maybe win one? I mean, you see Brady again; he's a different kind of animal. But you see what he was able to do. So I don't know if Rodgers maybe considers that now because hey, maybe he goes to the AFC and tries this out. Well, that's that's the the decision he's going to have to make, and he'd have to have that conversation with Green Bay because he's still under contract. Uh, but what I think is the most interesting dynamic in all of this is the offseason that the NFL is looking at because of the climate we're in in the world today. This offseason is going to be probably one of the weirdest offseasons. We all know the salary cap this offseason is going to go down for next year. So teams are going to have to readjust their plans. We're going to see some crazy moves where guys that are either at it the top of their position or have top level contracts, they're going to get cut. I mean, think of guys like JJ Watt. He could potentially be on the move this off season because the Texans need to figure out their financial uh, situation because COVID-19 has had such an impact on the world of sports and the business of sports. So that's really what I'm like interested in this off season is to see 
what kind of effect that plays into the decisions some of these guys make going into the offseason. Yeah, it's for sure going to have a huge decision. And if you even look at it just in the Packers situation, do they maybe keep Devontae Adams? Do they let go of Aaron Jones? So that's those are questions that if you're Rodgers, you're sitting there thinking about, am I going to potentially lose all these weapons that I have or that I maybe gained over the last couple of years? Yeah. Tyler, what do you what do you think said, about that? I said Jamal Adams. I said Jamal Adams earlier when I met Aaron Jones. That's hilarious. <laughs> I just like just now realized that I didn't even. That's what I meant. I didn't even yeah. catch it. No, I, I don't know why I just caught, caught it after you said Aaron Jones. Um, but yeah, man, I, this is just a tough. It's just a tough, tough decision. I think I think Green Bay ends up keeping them around, keeping their squad. Uh, they're just such a such a dominant foundation of a franchise. You know what I mean? They're the Green Bay Packers. They're always in the hunt. So uh, do you risk it going somewhere else, you know, and not being in the hunt? Yeah, and I mean, listen, it's, it's funny uh, to make another comparison to basketball. It, it's funny that Green Bay is in Wisconsin, and we had the situation this offseason in the NBA with Milwaukee and Giannis, and it, Milwaukee was – having to do everything that they possibly could to keep Giannis and keep Giannis happy so that he signed that Supermax extension with them. And now the Green Bay Packers find themselves in that scenario again with Aaron Rodgers, and they're coming off two consecutive AFC championship games, but it's two consecutive AFC, or excuse me, NFC championship games, two consecutive NFC championship games where they lost. And the frustrating part, if you're the Packers, is that you've gotten there, but something's missing, though. And you can't blame Rodgers because he's gotten you there. Exactly. It, it, it's not him. Something else is missing to that puzzle. And that's on the front office. Yeah. Uh, and, and Green Bay is not Milwaukee. I mean, Green Bay is... No, like but you, you know what I'm saying, where the front office now you needs know, to do I, whatever they, they can to keep Rodgers happy. But But in a different, you know... Yeah, it is kind of it, I mean it is similar like Giannis for sure wanted to see the franchise like make some changes um and 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 the money but you know the Packers they don't have to make, they don't, I don't necessarily think they have to move mountains. You know, they could pick up a couple veterans and be ready to go. Yeah, you know? I'm not saying they need to make a, a monumental move but they they are a couple pieces missing to the puzzle yeah. that could take them to the next level. Because unlike, you know, Milwaukee, you know, they do have they do have a chance of getting another star. You know what I mean? They Jordan Love could they, Jordan Love on their team could be a star. So like the sense of urgency may not be the same, uh, even though the talent matches. Right, right. But it's it's definitely gonna be interesting. I mean, the this offseason for, for both Buffalo and Green Bay, uh, they they have some stuff that they need to address. Well, um, Buffalo doesn't really have a stressful offseason like Green Bay does. No, they don't. But they they now need to look themselves in the mirror and be like, all right, do we want to be a great team or not? Because this is now the standard that's been set. Yep. So, but Super Bowl 55, two weeks away, February 7th. Oh, geez. What, what is happening to my computer? I, sorry. I exited out of my notes real quick for some reason. Um, but like I said, Super Bowl 55, we got – Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Kansas City Chiefs. I think the best comparison for this uh, this matchup, and we'll we'll definitely get 
more in depth into a Super Bowl preview next week, but I think the best comparison for this is Magic and Jordan in 91 with Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes going up against each other. Passing of the torch. Yep. And the Buccaneers, they, they're the first team to play in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. So that's uh, obviously history in the making. And, of course, fucking Tom Brady, man. He, he's back in the Super Bowl. It's his 10th appearance. He's going for his seventh ring. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I said he, he has as many NFC championships now as Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. And he is now has more Super Bowl appearances in his 40s than Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees combined. Jeez. So it's it's pretty remarkable. Just to think when you thought his run was over. Not even close. I never thought his run was over. I remember telling people five years ago he had five years left in the tank. How many years he got now? It's, it's, I think he's got at least three left in the tank. Okay. At least. Okay. Um, and I mean, and I mean, the Bucks, man. It's like I, I just always thought that they they were going to get it done. You know, from from the from the the week one, it was like obviously picking Seattle to go to the Super Bowl, but it was Tom Brady who came out of my mouth. And, and I I honestly felt I think multiple times this year I rated them and told and said in the powerings maybe I'm rating them too high. But goddamn, I mean, with Tom Brady, you're just always a threat. Yeah. And shout out Bruce Arians uh, for getting to to the Super Bowl as a head coach. That's that's pretty awesome. I know he's well, he's a football the, lifer. The team was completely you know developing every single week of the year, all the way up to the Super Bowl. So uh, you still don't need, you know you still they're still probably figuring out things that they can do. Yep. But all right, uh, you guys uh, got any shout outs before we get out of here? No, nah, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still honestly recovering from yesterday. Uh like like I said yeah, when we were know. talking about basketball, uh it was the one year anniversary of the the untimely passing of Kobe Bryant, his his daughter Gianna and seven others on that helicopter crash and uh I mean a year later and it still still doesn't feel real. It's it's pretty wild. Yeah. I think Skip Bayless had a nice you know, thought where it was like, it still is like, not Kobe, you know, that's that feeling. It's like, it's still there. You yeah. know, it's still kind of almost like, really, you know? Yeah. It's, I is just really, is he really, is he really not here? You know, like that's, uh, that's pretty incredible to, to the impact that the dude left on the world. Yeah. No, it's uh his impact uh, and legacy will, will always, always be, be felt uh, all around the world and it's i just keep waiting for him to pop up somewhere and i, I just i think i've accepted that i'll never accept it yeah and, and i think that ultimately that you know what tragedy is i mean people still to this day don't accept all this you know what i mean like yeah that's the kind of that that's what it is you know yeah so uh all right uh, with that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.